Welcome on into the Utah Preps Zone, your podcast focused on high school sports and high school football. I'm Jay Catch, your host here, along with my fearless co-host, Sean Walker. Sean, how are you? Jake, you see this flow, got a little Hall of Fame on it. Dame shoot jumpers, Shaq still bang it. MVP candidate, you not one. Platinum plaques on my wall go and get you some. Lyrically, I'm a three-time finals MVP. I can't believe some clown is testing me. But it's good to be back on the podcast. Are we starting a, a Twitter B for a rap battle with Shaq and D- Dame Dalla? Oh, man. You know it. That was That's Ogden's own. Ogden's own. Ogden's yeah. own Damian Lillard. Shout That's out true. to Dame Dollar and the new track, which is fire. It is pretty fire. And it's... I am here for this beef with Shaquille O'Neal. But we're not here to talk about rap beefs. No, we are not. Beefs. We are here to talk high school football and Sean. Uh, we had week seven play out last weekend. We'll look ahead to week eight here in just a little bit, but let's start off looking back a little bit here. And I want to start off on the Thursday night uh, feature game, Weber at Fremont, a game that was delayed because the power in the stadium simply just went out. Pretty crazy. Yeah, kind of some awkward moments on the uh, KMYU broadcast for that. So, uh, just a little bit. Shout out to your friends and coworkers who work at that fine establishment. They do an excellent job there broadcasting high school football here around the state. But, boy, that was an awkward delay. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but well, after the delay, yeah, uh, Weber 17, Fremont 7. Uh, hold on. I'm getting a phone call. I'm, I'm getting a text message from our uh, Northern Utah correspondent, Patrick Carr. And okay. it says... Weber's back. Well, they're right at there up to the top of Region One, tied with Syracuse, four and one region records. Davis also right there with a four and one record. Uh, both Syracuse and Weber sitting at five and two overall in the season. And you're right, Weber. They've come out of nowhere. It feels like almost all of a sudden, even though they are the defending region champions, but they're right there in the mix once again. Yeah, a wise man once told me, and you might know this wise man. It's a college football aficionado. He's the current coach of your Notre Dame Fighting Irish, okay, uh, Brian, Brian Kelly. Kelly. After his first and only loss of the season, he said, "You're not de- you're you're not defined as a football team by um, how you are when you lose a game mm-hmm. or how you lose a game." But what you do afterwards is what defines you. Oh, and if okay. we're taking if we're taking that basic principle from the wise Brian Kelly into account with uh, Region One football, then even though Weber still got that three point loss to Syracuse on their resume, they've still looked like yeah. You can make an argument, certainly the best case in Region One mm-hmm. wins over Northridge, Layton, now Fremont. Uh, we'll get into a really, really big game this weekend against Davis, maybe in the uh, yeah. in segment three, like we always do. But uh, I think reports of the Warriors' demise are greatly exaggerated. I would agree with you there. They've they're just kind of they've become a steady program, and you and I we've been doing podcasts on and off with high school sports for a few years now and Weber's just kind of been one of those steady eddy teams when it comes to region 1 granted region 1 as a whole Sean we have not seen a team really make a run in in the state uh, playoffs out of region 1 to any great degree so in the last couple of years but it'd be cool to see a team like Weber follow up a, a solid year last year, what is developing into a pretty great year so far this year and make a run potentially maybe in the playoffs. Yeah, I and I think Weber might be their best chance. This look, this still looks like the most complete team in Region 1, mm-hmm. and that's that's nothing against the other teams because I think Region 1 has a ton of parity and an awful lot of parity. Um, but you can, you can sort of pick out in a lot of these other teams, Syracuse and Roy and Fremont, mm-hmm. really, really good players, but then also some pretty glaring weaknesses. And that's not to say that Weaver's a perfect team, but it's maybe the least weaknessed team, if yeah, you will. I would agree with that. Um, in that region and in that league. But Jake, you know who I think is going to make a pretty deep run Who's in that? this year's playoffs? And reports of their demise maybe have been greatly exaggerated. You're being a minors. How about the Miners coming away this week with a pivotal Region Three victory, sixteen to fourteen, at the in the dying moments in Fergie time, as our Premier League friends like to say. Fergie time, yes, a Fergie time win, sixteen to fourteen. Uh, over East High School. Well, and they stuff a two-point conversion attempt from East to preserve the win. 
it was a gritty win. It was a good win uh, for Bingham over one of their developing rivals in East. East, a team that really fancies themselves as a state contender in their own right. But you're right. I think Bingham, after they were smoked at the hands of Corner Canyon, it was a couple weeks ago now, I think we all thought, okay, maybe this team isn't as good as we thought they were. So they also followed that up with a loss to Harriman, the first time they've ever lost to the Mustangs. But this bounce-back win over East, I think, shows, hey, Bingham's still got plenty of fight in them, and they'll be they'll be a factor here down the stretch. Yeah, I think the best thing that happened with region realignment this year, and there were so many talking points around it with teams moving up, teams mm-hmm. moving down, this new reconstituted region four and everything. But maybe the maybe the best thing that happened with it was this new region three and getting Bingham and East in the same league Correct. every year to yeah. play each other year in and year out, or at the very least for the next three years until the next realignment cycle. But yeah. this is a game that I want to see every year, Bingham and East, whether both teams are up or both teams are down or one versus the other. It is one of those developing rivalries. And I think it's a rivalry that makes this sport a lot better on the Wasatch front. Yeah, it is a lot of fun there. Um, kind of surprising. So I wanted to, Take a minute and stop off in Region 2, Sean. This is a region we've kind of overlooked, I think, to a large degree. But uh, just looking at their standings, Kearns now sits atop the region once again uh, in Region 2 with a 3-0 region record, 6-1 and overall. I'm wondering if we're overlooking the Cougars a little bit here. Yeah, and, and speaking of overlooking the Cougars, I think Olympus did that a couple of weeks ago, and Kearns walked out with a win. Meanwhile, that win over the Titans just looks better and better it and does. better every single week. Maybe it's one of those games that we look back on at the end of the season and we think, how did that happen? <laughs> or maybe it's one of those games that we look back on and we realize this is what created a monster yeah. um, in the Fighting Jody Genesees at Kearns High School. The Fighting Jody Genesees, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, it was, I, was just, I just saw that. I saw that um, Kearns all of a sudden, yeah, sitting at 6-1, and one, they're undefeated in a region play. Really yeah. been impressed with what they're doing. Afata- yeah. Is Isaiah Afatasi out there, the running back? They, they've always got an Afatasi. They've got Isaiah. They've got Xavier out there, who's another dude that we probably should be talking about a little yeah. bit. Um, and also, big shout out to Dakota Lynn, their quarterback, 1,200 yard passer, 16 touchdowns with only two interceptions on the year. Um, and uh, I'm I'm gonna butcher this name. You're you're the po- resident Polynesian okay. on this podcast, so you'll correct a me here. But Polynesian. but uh, but uh, Nakilea. That I sounds think. about right, yeah. Nakilea, Nakilea. yeah. Uh, 812 yards and 13 touchdowns on 98 carries. So a workhorse wow. running back for the Cougars out there. Um, yeah, this is a team that I wouldn't be shocked if they made a couple of ways in the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Sean, let's go to the SEC of high school football in this state. That is Region 4. And some interesting results here. And like all SEC divisions, somebody's got to be Kentucky. <laughs> Hi, Westlake. Hi, Westlake. <laughs> Unfortunately, Westlake probably would be very competitive in other regions, but they are just, they're just stuck there in Region 4. Poor they, Westlake. Westlake is, gets smoked by American Fork, 54-27. to 27. A nail-biting win, though, for Pleasant Grove, 28-27 to 27 over Sky Ridge on the road. Big win for the Vikings there, taking down the Falcons. But the game of the week, Sean, the game that you were at, the game that featured all kinds of craziness in the final minute of regulation... Oh, Corner Canyon, 21, Lone Peak, 17. I'm going to give you a little peek behind the curtain in my journalism world because I'm writing on this game uh, for my day job over at KSL.com. It's a website. You might have heard of it. I don't know. You should go read Sean's stuff Um, there. He does an incredible job. (laughs) But uh, I I had this, as as sports writers are wont to do a lot of times, especially when we're trying to write on deadline and breaking news and that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. I had a basic lead in my mind, roughly about six or seven paragraphs, probably 400 words about how Lone Peak was going to come in to Corner Canyon, knock off the top-ranked team in the state, um, going up big. Luke Romney, backup quarterback, comes in and throws for for two touchdown passes in the uh, fourth quarter, including one to Sean Wood that gives the Knights a uh, a, a two-touchdown lead with 2.17 left. Two minutes and 17 seconds left in this game. I'm going, all right, Corner Canyon can't win everything. Great win for the Knights, right? Let's move on. Fantastic. Um, Well, apparently I underestimated Cole Hagen a little bit. So I'm sorry, Cole. 
Uh, big shout out to Cole Hagen, who threw for two touchdown passes in the final minute of play. A 16 yard at Thomas Hanley 54 seconds ago. And then he finds his little brother, Cody, yeah. uh, with two seconds left when all they needed was a field goal to tie and force overtime. He finds little Cody Hagen with two seconds left for the game winner in an incredible, incredible 21 to 17 finish. Wild. Um, here in this one. This was. This was a game for the ages, and I don't I don't like using this hyperbole or these superlatives very often um, because it's so hard for me to truly recall outside of the moment how good games are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was talking to our good friend Brandon Gurney, GFOP, good friend of the pod, Brandon Gurney of the Desert News after this. Uh, we both think this might be the best high school football game either of us has ever seen live. Okay. This was incredible. And if it's a preview of the 6A state championship this year, we will all be better for it. I I would agree with that assessment, absolutely. It sounded like a wild game back and forth, but like you said, in the final minute, uh, Cole Hagen comes through. And an ugly game in the first half. It was, yeah. Seven to three in the first half. Not what you expect from two teams who are pretty stellar on offense in their own right. Yeah, but also very good on defense. Exactly. So, uh, Sean, you actually had a chance to catch up with Cole Hagen after the game. Cody. Oh, sorry, Cody. Excuse Cody me. Hagen. You talked to Cody, Cody Hagen after the game. I apologize, Cole. You talked Cole, to Cody. Cole, Cody. They, they look like twins. The, too, so the hero of the game, fair. to be real, he caught the t- winning touchdown pass, Cody Hagen. You had a chance to catch up with him after the game. So here you go. Here are his postgame thoughts. Walk us through that last touchdown. <laughs> what were you saying? How did you get open? And did you have some sort of brother, brother-to-brother telepathy there? Or what? <laughs> I feel like there was some brother-to-brother telepathy there. But, man, Coach Karras calling the right plays on that. And Cole threw a dime to Talmadge on that nine oh, to set us up. And, <laughs> and man, Cole threw a good ball and I, I just caught it. <laughs> when you, uh, when they go up, um, when they go what? When they go up, seven, 17 to 14 like that, you've got under a minute to respond. What was the huddle like when you guys get that ball back? You've got one minute to respond to make something happen, try to at least kick a field goal or something. How do you guys believe, I guess? You know, I feel like that's our mentality, and Cole is a leader and helps us. Jackson, Noah, they're all good leaders. They've been here before, and they know how to lead us. And They just told us to stay calm, and Noah made a good catches. The line was blocking good, and Coach Kerr was doing a good job of calm play. So he always helps us to stay calm under pressure and call the right plays to put us in a good position. So. Is that the kind of play you and uh, you and your bro draw up in the driveway back home? Or? Oh yeah, all the time when we're little, right there. <laughs> just like that. Oh yeah, just like that. <laughs> How special is it, though, seriously, to be able to play with your brother and to make such an impact? The two of you to get the Hagen boys together like this. Oh, it was great. I love it. There's something special there for sure when your brother's throwing you the ball in it. It makes it just that ten times better for sure. When you look at this team surviving against a very good team like that in Lone Peak, what's the ceiling here, man? How good can you guys be? I don't know. I feel like every week we're just getting better, and Lone Peak, got to give them credit. They put up a really good fight, and we just made some plays, and it happened. So, yeah. And that last one, obviously. <laughs> Is that the biggest play of your high school career? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so far, yep. <laughs> that was awesome. When you left your feet to just dive across that, that goal line, did you think you were going to make it? Or? Um, when I first caught it, I didn't know where the DB was, but Cole put it in a good spot. And I don't know, I, it, nothing was going through my head at that point. <laughs> it was just catch the ball and dive. So, How many times have you guys maybe run that play in the backyard or almost? Oh, Man, every day we just like dream of this opportunity. And I mean, ever since we were eight years old, first starting football, we were always talking about this moment, him throwing the ball to me, and it, it was great. <laughs> that was uh, Corn Canyon uh, wide receiver Cody Hagen, who right now is known as Cole Hagen's little brother, obviously a quarterback who I think is going to be playing on Saturdays. This is a Division One talent yeah. in, in pretty much every way, Division One arm talent, Division One athleticism, every everything. Um I think Cody could be at least as good as his big brother. Wow. Well, if that's he's the, a player, he's that, a great player. If that's the case, Eric Kerr is set up to make some runs here over the next few years because Cody is what? Is he a junior this year or a sophomore? 
He's not a senior for sure. We know Cole is a senior this year. I believe he is a sophomore. Yes, he is yeah. a sophomore. So if he's doing what he's doing yeah. as a sophomore right now, watch out. Corner Kane's going to be a player for years to come. All right, Sean, um, some other games to get to from last week. Let's move along here. Uh, skipping down a game that I was at, and we'll get to some interviews from this here in a minute, in, but in Region 10, we saw two undefeated teams go at each other in the 4A ranks with Park City at Mountain View. The Miners flexing some muscle as they roll to a was a 42-16 win over Mountain View. And to be honest with you, I was at this game. It was 35 nothing before Mountain View got on the board. Uh, yeah, a lot of late scoring from the Bruins. We should give a shout-out <laughs> to Deuce Anderson even in this loss. That yeah. kid is a player. He's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, scores two touchdowns for the Bruins. But uh, Park City, man, if, if you only... If you only need to know one name from Class 4A, and I think there are a couple of dudes, so I don't want to shortchange anybody, but if you really dramatically only need to know one ga- one name, mm-hmm. um, that name is Jack Skidmore. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Park, City, Park City quarterback who is just really good at running this offense that's part spread, part pro style, even got a little bit of wing T in it at times with Dylan Bauer in the right system. It's very, very multiple in a lot of ways. It's a true multiple set yeah. offense. And and when you have when you have a quarterback running a system like that, sometimes they don't always put up the biggest numbers or the flashiest stats or the the, mm-hmm. the most highlight real plays. But I think Jack Skidmore is almost a perfect guy to run this offense in a lot of ways because he's really smart. He knows how to distribute the 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 ball, um, get get the ball to his playmakers, whether it's in space or behind the line of scrimmage or whatever. He's kind of like a point guard on the yeah. field. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm going to do a quick Google search and see if he is Park City's point guard because if not. He should be. Absolutely. I would agree with that. And it was an impressive game, impressive showing by Park City. I think they're a true contender in the 4A ranks. Uh, we actually, who was it that we were talking to that said he thought Park City was the best team in 4A? Oh, it was Matt Glade uh, from KSL Sports, KSL TV. He mentioned that he thought that Park City was the best team in 4A. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, a couple of the notes from the 4A ranks before we jump back up to 5A for a minute here, Sean, is that a game that I thought would be very good turned out to be very good. Pineview beats Dixie 27-26 to in, in Region 9 action. Yeah, a little bit of chaos now in Re- Region 9, which is which is absolutely something. Uh, you do not just go in to the unfriendly confines of Panther Stadium and walk out with a win. And Dixie learned that the hard way. Yeah. Um, Reggie Graff, still very, very, very good for the Flyers. We, we, I, we've been heaping praise on him all year, and I'm not going to take anything away from him. Mm-hmm. But uh, McLeod Croton, 365 yards and three touchdowns in this one. The youngest son, I believe, of former BYU coach Gary Croton, um, who was born in Provo. Okay. Um, but uh, this this is another kid who, who is really good, and, and he's kind of thrown a wrench in this whole Region 9 mm-hmm. uh, Dixie High School victory parade that they maybe were planning a little bit a week or two ago. Yeah, Pineview all of a sudden 5-0 and oh, atop Region Region 9, uh, the loss drops Dixie down to 4-1, and one, but yeah, it creates a little bit of chaos there. Desert Hill sitting right there at 4-1 and one as well, so we've got three teams right there near the top of Region 9 that look very stellar. I thought Snow Canyon would be a little more of a player this year. I think still think they're probably the fourth best team in Region 9, but we've got three teams definitely separating themselves atop the region. Big win over the newcomers, Crimson Cliffs, this week, though. Don't doubt the Warriors, Jake. <laughs> All, right. All right, Sean, let's skip up to 5A for a minute here. A game, probably the... So there were three big games, I felt like, last week. I thought Corner Canyon, Lone Peak was a big game. Mountain mm-hmm. View, Park City was a big game. And then we had another one in Region 8. Salem Hills at Springville, two teams who I think have got aspirations of being real contenders in 5A this year. Well, guys that we had on the podcast last week showed extremely well. Salem Hills blows out Springville 35-7. to yeah, Jake, I sent you a sound earlier. Maybe you can play it right here um, of a uh, motorboat. Okay, boat racing. <laughs> yeah, Salem Hills put a little bit of a boat racing here on Springville, holding them to seven points. Mm-hmm. Um, really just th- that defensive line was nasty. They were just getting in the face of Austin Mortensen all night. Yep. Very, very good. And then Jared Elmer, a guy who accounted for five total touchdown passes, ran for a couple um, there for the Skyhawks. Salem Hills 
is legit and maintaining a stranglehold on the top spot in the RPI ratings in Class 5A. Yeah, very impressive. I was impressed with what they were able to do. And watch out, Salem Hills. It's school that a lot of people don't know exactly where it's at, but it, they've got they've got some star power to them. Sean, one other game I wanted to mention in 5A. Let's jump up. Viewmont beats Farmington 14-9. to and they do it on the back of having a pick six early in this game. Wyatt Evertson actually got picked off three times in this game. Caden uh, Stringham returned the first uh, interception, 35 yards for a pick six. And then all they needed from Viewmont was another touchdown. Sam Trusty running in from three yards out gave him enough points to pick up the win. I've said a lot about Farmington's offense for the last couple of weeks. Um, and deservedly so. Wyatt Evertson, Division One quarterback in his own right. He just looks mm-hmm. a part of a Division One guy. But what Viewmont's defense did to the Phoenix last week is something that I think needs to be uh, tr- needs to be truly appreciated. Holding them to three points through three quarters of play, really mm-hmm. most of four quarters, all but the last 50 seconds when this game was pretty much out of reach there, um, is something impressive. And, and that's kind of what Viewmont's doing this year, is they're not a very flashy offense. They don't have massive playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, but they do have playmakers on defense. They bring that Correct. hard hat, lunch pail, Bud Foster type defense that Virginia Tech used to be known for. And they're going to hit you in the mouth and make things really difficult on you. Um, and if you can outscore them, you can outscore them. But, man, you're going to be feeling it that night and maybe even more so next week. So Yeah, they, they won a game with their quarterback, Will Schultz, going 10 of 18 for 73 yards. So that shows you that this is very much a defensive team. No but picks, though. No picks. Managing those turnovers, yep. playing good defense. I mean, didn't hurt his team. That's the biggest thing there. So big win for Viewmont there. All right, Sean, any other games we need to get to in your mind to recap last week? Um, anything... I know Region 11 is a region up there in, in Cache Valley. We're kind of keeping an eye on Skyview off to a 6-1 and one start, 3-0 and oh start in region. But anything else you want to touch on here? Um, yeah, maybe just shotgun a couple here. Timview with a really nice 28-9 to win over Lehigh in Region 7. Thunderbirds mm-hmm. after a slow start, now looking like they kind of have their eyes on the, at least their eyes on the steering wheel, um, if not in quite in the driver's seat for a Region 7 title. So, Well, uh, yeah, one note on that. So you look at the Region 7, just the records overall in the in this region. Timview, 4-3. and three. Orem, 3-3. Three and three. Alta, 3-3. Three and three. Lehigh has the best overall record in this region at five and two so not a lot of stellar records but we're talking teams that absolutely will beat you up if you face them in the playoffs yeah 100 percent. And, and i think this is a 10 few team that's finally starting to find its stride they were really young super early but they're mm-hmm. getting they're growing up on the fly they're getting more experience um they've got just a really good sophomore and junior class not a ton of seniors on this team so re- in a lot of ways they're building for next year um, but that doesn't mean they're not going to do a little bit of damage this year yeah. um, as well. But, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, new schools continue to struggle. Shout out to Payson, your Payson Lions, 28-14 to 14 win over, over Mountain Bridge. Um, and maybe the most shocking result of the week, Jake. Okay. They're in Region 13. I'm talking Judge Memorial 0, Morgan 0. Okay, actually. That's Obviously, been, we spoke on the podcast last week. It's been scored incorrectly, though. Do you know what the score is officially supposed to be for a, for a forfeit that Judge Memorial takes? Oh, I think it goes to the 3 nothing. Morgan won. Yeah. Judge Memorial yeah, nothing. So Morgan wins this game by forfeit. Judge Memorial uh, doesn't have enough kids to safely field a varsity team in this one. Mm-hmm. We'll be keeping an eye on what happens with them the rest of the year as well. They've still got three games left to play, yeah. um, including a big one with uh, with South Summit and then the uh, the – private slash charter school bowl in two weeks at summit academy so we'll see if they have enough healthy bodies to fill teams for uh those games as well shout out shout out to the bulldogs though yeah absolutely let's keep an eye on that all right sean well let's step aside here we will come back and get to some interviews i had a chance to conduct with some of the park city players and coaches after their win over mountain view we'll get to that next and then later on on the show of course we're looking ahead to week eight this week what's going on in region action across the state we'll break it all down for right here on the Utah Prep Zone. Brought to you by our title sponsor on the show, our good friends at John Watson Chevrolet up there in Ogden. If you're looking
looking for a newer used car, make sure to stop by, check out what John Watson's got for you. Full line of Chevrolets. They do great work. They're also, of course, the sponsor for the Northern Utah High School Football Player of the Week Awards. This week, Sean, do you know who our Player of the Week was? Uh, it's got to be somebody from Beaumont, right? Nope. Oh, We're going to Bonneville this week. Cord Shaw, he tallied all three touchdowns in the Lakers' 20-17 to win over Woods Cross. So congratulations to Cord Shaw. Big shout-out to the Lakers. John Watson, Chevrolet High School Football, Northern Utah High School Football Player of the Week for Week 7. All right, more in a moment. This is the Utah Preps Zone. Welcome back to the Utah Preps Zone, your podcast focused on high school football. I'm Jake. He is Sean. Sean, I had a chance. Uh, well, I guess in the first segment, you caught up with Cody Hagan from Corner Canyon. Why well, also was at a game this past weekend? Had a chance to speak Preps Zone podcast doing some double duty. Doing some double duty, absolutely. And I was out at uh, Mountain View and Park City, of course. Your alma mater. My alma mater, yes. My youngest brother is a senior on Mountain View squad. But Park full City, disclosure. Yeah, it's just a full disclosure, absolutely. But Park City... Uh, comes away with a big win, really establishing themselves as one of the dominant forces in the 4A ranks this year. Well, I had a chance to catch some coaches and players after this game, talk with the Park City coaches and players. We'll get to Coach Montzingo here in a minute. We're going to start off here with Park City quarterback Jack Skidmore. Jack, you guys are 7-0 and now. This is probably the de facto region championship. How's it feel? Um, it feels good, but, you know, we're not done yet. We still have three more games, so we got to win those first. What has kind of been this team's, I guess, mantra and mentality this year so far? Uh, Want to know. Just get better every week. You know, play to the best of our ability. You know, get better, improve every week. Um, yeah, that's sort of been the mentality of our team. I think a lot of people saw what you guys did in the playoffs last year and wondered, okay, can these guys follow it up this year? Has that kind of driven you guys this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely a different change in pace. Last year we were sort of the underdogs, but this year, you know, we're not hiding from anyone. So I think it's been good for us. We've had to step up to the challenge, and I think we're doing it so far, but we still have some work to do. What have you made of this offense? It's, we see a lot of spread offenses, I guess we should say, throughout the state. You guys run a pretty multiple set. Is that something that you like? Oh, I love it. I mean, our offensive coordinator does a great job of mixing it up for us, you know, giving us different looks, putting the balls in the hands of the playmakers. You know, Mark, Dylan, you know, all those guys, Jake Cohn. Our line does a great job of sort of, you know, they mold into the offense. They give us all really good looks. I mean, I love our offense. I wouldn't change it at all. How big has your guys' defense been this year so far? Our defense has been huge. I mean, you saw it tonight. I mean, we know Mountain View has been putting up a lot of points in, over the past six games, and, you know, the challenge was to come stop them, and we did. I think we've been, up until this game, we were averaging 14 and a half points. So, I mean, our defense is amazing. I, I love our defense. <laughs> you guys got three games left here. You guys are kind of in the driver's seat of the region now. But you, you, you mentioned it's, it's one and no is kind of your guys' mentality. Is that something that comes from the coach, or is that something that you guys have created as, as players? Um, I think it's both. Um, I think it trickles down. You know, the coach is sort of, hey, we just want to get better every week. You know, the one and no is our mentality, and then it's sort of trickled down to the guys. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. But, yeah, so, I mean, I think we all just want to be one and no. I mean, I don't – none of our team likes losing. I personally don't like losing. Our coaches don't like losing. So it's definitely a mentality that's been driven into us by the coaches, but I think, I don't know, our guys really like to win. So we've had no problem stepping up to that expectation this team seems to have been playing together for a long time is that true yes sir How, like is this, is this like you guys are coming up to the youth race or is this just something that you guys have put together in the last couple of years no this is i mean i've i've played with some of these guys for the last eight years since youth ball i mean we've all hey boys i mean we've been playing together for a really long time so the bond really runs deep but i mean I love these guys. I wouldn't ask for a better bunch of guys. Good job, Jack. Set the center, number 51. Good job, Jack. On my center. So, on my line. With the remainder of this season, what is your guys's, um, I guess, goals? So you, you state championship or bust? What's kind of your mentality going forward here? We want to win a state championship. That's our mentality right now. And um, you know, this week our goal is to win. Our goal is to win our next game, and you know, to improve so we can reach that final goal. So one step at a time is really our mentality. Jack, thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. There you go. Park City quarterback Jack Skidmore. And I have to say, Sean, very impressed with that young man. 
Yeah, the only thing more polished, I think, than uh, Jack Skidmore's touch on the football and the spiral that he throws all five feet eight of him uh, <laughs> is his interview with the media. Yeah. Really, really impressive young man. Um, undersized, scrappy, but he knows how to throw the football, knows how to control an offense, and he presents himself very, very well, just handles himself very well. I mean, his poise is equally good in the pocket as it is on the sideline, and you can see a little bit why uh, why Park City is 7-0 and um, and off to its best start since 2006. Correct. Yeah, I was. I really enjoyed talking with him. Had some great thoughts on his team. Uh, it was all. You also heard in the background he had teammates coming by when I. So when I walked over, you, you've done this before too, Sean. You show up to a high school and you kind of tell the administrators, "Hey, I'd like to talk to coach and whatever player after the game." And so Park City, one of their administrators, walks over and talks to Coach Montzingo, and he talks to his team and he's like, "Okay, bring it in, guys." They do their cheer and he's like, "Jack, Jack, you're on me. You're speaking to the media, the entire team." <laughs> and you heard in that interview there were guys walking by there's one kid that introduces themselves to the center I don't remember what his name was in the middle of that interview always funny when stuff like that goes on but thanks hey, a to quarter, Jack a quarterback's only as good as his offensive line Jake. yeah it's true and thanks to Jack Skidmore for speaking with me after that win over Mountain View now let's get to his head coach Josh Montzingo coach 7-0 and what have you been preaching to your players all year long to this point? Uh, we've actually talked about making sure we do the little things, the details. So for us, going one to zero every week. So every week is a new challenge. Not looking ahead, not looking behind, not getting too not getting too high, not getting too low. Just trying to make sure every little day we're getting better and better and better, and you know, make sure that we uh, do all the little details that will hopefully stack up to big things. I think a lot of people last year saw your team as maybe a little bit of an underdog. Has that driven them this year? Oh, yeah. They like that. I mean, okay. we're usually half the size of everybody we play, um, <laughs> so we always kind of have that chip on our shoulder, and uh, they, they don't mind it. I think I think it fuels them. What have you made of your, of your quarterback? He's a pretty impressive kid. He's he been a good number so far this year. What have you made of him? Uh, we're, we're, we're blessed having Jack. I mean, it's like having a coach on the field at times. Um, he's out there. He calms the guys. He gets them energized when he needs it. He does everything you could ask of him athletically, mentally. We're, we're very, very lucky to have him. Your guys' offense, uh, I see a lot of spread offenses around the state. You guys run a pretty multiple set. What's kind of mentality with that? Uh, yeah, we try to be different, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah. Everybody runs the spread, and if you're going to do that like everybody does, you better be way better at every position than everybody. And, um, you know, we'd have some guys that have, they don't mind running the ball. They don't mind getting dirt, doing the dirty work, you know, having a fullback. Most people think that's crazy and a tight end, but we have guys that like to play that and can do it, and it gives us, an, I think, an edge every week when you got to see ISO and you got to see some things that, you know, maybe they're a little old school, but we like it. It's fun. Pretty impressive defensive effort tonight. What did you make of your defense? Yeah, they did a great job. Um, you got to—they have a great offense. Um, Deuce is a heck of a player, um, and they—they they can definitely uh, spread the ball around. But I thought we found some some uh, ways to to give them some trouble. Maybe close some windows that kind of frustrated him a little bit. But he did find some plays here and there. I mean, he's going to find them. That he's too special. But I was I was really proud of us holding him down for the most part, making it making it hard for him to have to move the ball. Seven and zero on the season. I think a lot of people are now looking at you guys as one of if not the favorite in 4a i know the rpi has you guys number one or number two depending on (laughs) which week you look at it (laughs) right what are you preaching to your team at this point? Again, don't don't look ahead, don't look behind. You know, one to zero every week. We have a theme this year called "Swing the Pick." You know, being in a mining town yeah. back in the old days, it wasn't cool and fancy material. You know, diggers. You had to actually swing a pickaxe, and you know, you had to keep ch- chopping and chopping and chopping and swinging and swinging until you actually got to that goal, or, or in our case, the silver. Um, and it was a lot of tedious work to get there. And if they quit, they weren't going to get what they wanted, so they had to keep going and keep going, knowing the good stuff will come. So same thing for us. We have to go every single day, do the little dirty work, watch our film, make sure we're correct details go to class make sure we're doing everything the right way so that we're all prepared every week and uh, i think when you stack that up good things happen coach thanks so much thank you appreciate it there you go josh montzingo head coach of the park city miners and sean park city is a school i don't think many of us when we talk about powers in high school football around the state of utah i don't think our first thought is you know what Park City, PCHS, that's a school we need to keep an eye on. But Monzingo has built something nice up here, it looks like. Yeah, and and a year removed from a disappointing end in the uh, 4A semifinals and just a couple of years removed from from a four-win season in 2017. But what Mm -hmm. Monzingo has done up there in Summit County, I think definitely deserves a clap. Um, This is a team that... Uh, they're they're on top of the RPI right now in 4A, and we give so much credit to Region 9 and to Dixie, and r- rightfully so. Uh, I, I think Park City snuck up on a lot of people 
Correct. Maybe, um, but they're not going to sneak up on anybody anymore. They're seven and zero, and and you heard Jack talk about it a little bit in that interview, um, and you heard Coach Montego address it very briefly as well. They're not sneaking up on anybody. Nobody's going to be surprised by what the miners are doing. So all they can really do is just not get too far ahead of themselves, but not get too far behind themselves. Correct. Just stay in the present, swing that pickaxe, uh, like Montego was saying, and and just hope that you can strike silver at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one guy I want to mention to people who has a, he's on the all-name team in this state this year, comes from Park City. Their star, I believe he's a left guard. He also plays defensive line uh, for the for the minors. Coco Lukrich. Apparently, Coco is not his actual given name. I was talking to some of the administrators. Change it. But he has gone by Coco his entire life. And this is a young man who he's not uh, your typical high school offensive lineman who's undersized. He is all a 6'4 and probably 250, 260 pounds. And he is a true athlete, but just an all-name team candidate right there in Coco Lukrich. Yeah, listen, at 6'4, 245, only a junior, like you said. Utah State really on this kid. He's got an offer, um, yeah. Trying to get him there. But I think the offers are going to start coming in he's a only little a bit. Junior. more this spring as he goes to junior days and and camps and that kind of thing but Cal's poking around him Utah's been poking around him a little bit I've I've heard um this this is a guy who you really probably should be watching his his recruiting radar blow up a little bit especially for a 4A school kid who doesn't always attract the biggest name offers um but uh, Justin Enna would be very, very wise to try to lock this kid down early. I watched him in person. He walked out on the field. And there's a lot of times you can see a guy walk out on the field and you're like, that's a guy. He's a guy. Absolutely. So keep an eye on him. Thanks again to Jack Skidmore and Josh Monzingo for speaking with me after their win over Mountain View. They're now 7-0, rolling in 4A. We'll see how Park City does the rest of this year. All right, Sean, uh, we, let's step aside here. We'll come back on the other side, and let's look ahead to Week 8. How about that? Let's do it. All right. This is the Utah Preps Zone brought to you by our good friends at uh, John Watson Chevrolet up there in Ogden. Full line of Chevrolet vehicles. Go up there and check them out. Of course, the proud sponsor of the John Watson High School Northern Utah High School Football Player of the Week Awards each week right here on the Utah Prep Zone and on the Zone Sports Network. back to the Utah Preps Zone podcast. I'm Jay Catch. He is Sean Walker. Sean, let's look ahead. We got week eight. Is it crazy to you to think that we're eight weeks deep into this season already? It's October. We're down the home stretch. It's just wild. You can feel it in the air outside. You can. Um, you can feel it in the... Um, Number you can see it in the number of cheerleaders that are wearing jackets over their skirts <laughs> yeah. at every high school football game. Uh, you can see it in the heaters that are adorning every field up and down the Wasatch Front, except St. George, because I think it's still like 85 down there. Probably. Shout out to our friends in, Dix- in Utah's <laughs> Dixie. Um, but man, we're down the ho- coming down the home stretch, and region titles are coming pretty close to being decided. Uh, Maybe even starting this week, Jake. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start off with the Thursday night game, Sean. This should be a pretty good one, I think. Lone Peak travels to Sky Ridge, a pretty quick drive uh, from Highland over there to uh, technically Lehigh, I suppose, there for Sky Ridge. But this should be a good game. It'll be featured, of course, on KMYU on Thursday Night Lights. Yeah, and this is this is one in Region Four that's becoming a little bit muddied, and I use muddied, I guess, with a with an asterisk mm-hmm. right now because we talk about Corner Canyon and how good they are. They're establishing themselves as the top team in six A, um, probably the top team in the state. I don't think it's much of a question there, but yeah. maybe it is. Um, so, so obviously they're the best team in Region Four, mm-hmm. or, or they've proven themselves so far to be the best team in region four but that number two slot right now is very very muddied it's it's corner canyon and then it's pretty much everyone else yeah and then it's also westlake sorry westlake uh, <laughs> the poor thunder just, i'm so sorry westlake i'm sorry you're gonna have coach wong jumping on you they got <laughs> to to their to their credit to their defense they got absolutely poached when cedar valley they opened, did. lost a lot of kids there so mm-hmm. it, it might take them a little bit of time to rebuild um, what they once were. So, sorry, Westlake. Please prove me wrong. Please do. Uh, but this is this is one <laughs> where, wow, now we got off on that tangent. I don't know where I was. But we've, we've got pretty much every other team in the region that's tied at one and one apiece. Um, they're kind of cycling through Corner Canyon 
and Westlake on on either end of that region four. Mm-hmm. And two of those teams right there in the middle are Lone Peak and Skyridge. I think the result of this game Thursday night at Skyridge will go a very, very long way towards determining who the true number two team in region four is. I would agree with you in that regard. I know, like you said, American Fork and Pleasant Grove like to consider themselves contenders. I would think that uh, Lone Peak or Skyridge, whoever wins this, you're right. They have that inside track at the number two spot in the region and probably assert themselves, you know what? We're a real contender here. Yeah, Skyridge has a home field advantage. For Lone Peak, I'm interested to see not only how they rebound against a crushing, devastating last-minute loss at Corner Canyon. Mm -hmm. This is also an ultimate trap game, sandwiched right in between uh, a trip to Corner Canyon and then a home date against longtime rival, literally since the two schools split around the turn of the century, American Fork. Skyridge is quietly nestled in there Thursday night all by itself. The television broadcast is going to be there. The whole state is going to be watching them. How does how do Nate Ritchie and the Knights respond after taking a rare loss on this season could determine how they finish out the rest of the season and therefore how they're seated for the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see how that shakes out. All right, Sean, let's move on to Friday night. Um, let's start. I'm actually going to start off in the two-way ranks, if that's okay with you this week, because I think we've got a pretty good game, game of the here. week. Milford at Millard. The Top two teams in 2A. I know Beaver's right there with them, but this should be a good game down there in Fillmore. Uh, yeah, Milford coming in as a... a we thought earlier in the early in the year was the team to beat. Obviously, they took that loss to Beaver. A second loss in the 2A ranks, um, especially in region play, could be absolutely hurtful and devastating for the Tigers. But the Eagles are no slouch themselves. They're unbeaten on the year. They've got the home field advantage. If you can get to Fillmore for this one, I highly recommend it because this will be the ultimate um, small town high school football game with the biggest of big stakes in the two-way classification on the line. Yeah, it should be a fun game. I'm excited to see what shakes out in that one. Um, other games, Sean, let's go to Region 1 here. Big game here. I know Davis comes off a disappointing loss for, uh, last week against Syracuse, but Davis at Weber. This should be an interesting game to see if Davis can kind of get off the mat here, respond a little bit, but we'll also see if Weber can remain probably what we think is the best team in Region 1. Yeah, just like that muddied Region 4, the top mm-hmm. of Region 1 right now has three teams tied with one loss apiece. A second loss could be uh, completely devastating for either one of these teams in terms of their quest to win a region title. If Weber takes that second loss here to Davis, I, I mean, those that, that back, those back-to-back Region 1 champion Warriors probably stop it back-to-back. Mm-hmm. It, it's going to be really, really hard to make up the rest of the difference. Obviously, it's possible. I'm, I'm not saying they're totally out of it. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be really hard to make up that defense with another loss to the darts. So they've got to take care of business here. Meanwhile, Davis, I think, obviously threw all of their eggs into the Region title basket, saying... Yeah, you know, they, they they struggled a little bit in the non-conference part of the season, but they started to find their form a little bit. If they can get over that hump, rebound well. What's that Brian Kelly quote that we talked about at the start of the podcast? Rebound yeah. well after losing to a team, proving who you are, testing your mettle, um, all of those sports cliches. Then I think Davis could show itself as a team that could potentially make, the, make some noise for the rest of the year. Absolutely. All right, Sean, let's jump down to Region 3. Big game here, and this game might be over in an hour and a half. I'm not I'm not joking. Harriman at that's East. That's not non-competitive. That's just two teams that might throw the ball for a total of seven times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's two different running styles here. Of course, Harriman, more of your true eye formation, run it up the gut, while East runs, of course, that vaunted triple option out of the out of the flex bone. This should be a good game, and it should really tell us a lot about Region 3 and these two teams in particular. Yeah, I think this one tells us a lot about East. It, it, yeah. it shows us where they are exactly because obviously coming off of that emotional loss um, to Region 3 rival Bingham, how do they respond against a team that, for my money, is probably one of the... I mean, they're not Corner Canyon level, but they're probably one of the three or four best teams in the state of Utah right now just because yeah. of who they, the talent that they've got, the scheme that they've got. Um, and you know with the way they run that offense, they're going to keep teams low scoring, play good defense, try to control the clock and time of possession, um, and limit opportunities to come back. So you're absolutely right. This one could be over by 845. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a really, really good one if you want to try to see two 
or maybe even three games on the Wasatch Front, um, if you if you want to if you want to try to pull pull those strings. Um, I'm really looking forward to to seeing just what the Mustangs can do against an offense that is similar in some ways to its own. Yeah, absolutely. Other games in Region Four now, Sean. Corner Canyon goes to Westlake. We'll pray for you, Westlake. Hashtag pray for Westlake. <laughs> and also Pleasant Grove Amer- American Fork. Pleasant Grove comes off that uh, narrow win over Skyridge on the road. They're on the road now at one of their longtime rivals, one of the longest rivalries in Utah Valley at American Fork. We'll see if the Vikings are able to slow down the cavemen on offense. Yeah, and PG quietly making a case to be the second best team in that region for. Mm-hmm. It is very, very muddy. Things can change from week to week, even hour to hour. Um, but uh, but Caleb Campbell, the Vikings quarterback, really has that offense humming very, very smoothly, averaging close to 30 points per game, I believe. Yeah, I, I mean, upper 20s, lower 30s there per game, if my math sues me correctly uh that win last week at sky ridge was monstrous in terms of them establishing themselves in region four you can't read too much again into that loss to corner canyon because a lot of teams are losing to corner canyon right now so it's how you do against the rest of that region especially the rest of that pack that includes lone peak american fork and sky ridge that i think will define the viking season and a region that's been pretty balanced through two weeks of region play, Sean, is Region 5, also there in 5A. And I think we've got three good matchups in this region because, like I said, it's pretty evenly matched across the board here. But we have Box Elder at Woods Cross, Farmington at Bonneville, and Viewmont at Bountiful. I think Farmington at Bonneville is probably the game of the week in that region. But all three of these games are pretty evenly matched teams in my mind. Yeah, and Farmington hoping it's the back, the bounce back game yeah, exactly. for them coming off of that stunning loss to Viewmont. Bonneville doesn't have the same defensive horses mm-hmm. as the Vikings, but you want to see if Farmington can not only respond and get this win, but if they can get that offensive machine humming once again, if Wyatt Evertson can air it out like he's been used to doing. And, and we can see a semblance of, of what they've done up to last week. Correct. Um, you, you never want the the thing that's worse. Uh, what's the old cliche? How, how does it go, Jake? The, the only thing worse than losing to a team once is, is losing to them twice. Yeah. Uh, Farmington doesn't want Beaumont to beat them twice. And so this will be a good test of that against the Lakers. Yeah. All right. Uh, jumping down a little bit here, Sean. I think we have our pillow fight of the week. You, you, you know where I'm going. <laughs> I do. Region 7. I do. We got Mountain Ridge at Tiffinogas. Oh, both teams 0-7 on the season have struggled to score points on both sides. Rory Ziegra is probably the best player in this game. He plays for Tiffinogas. He's their star running back. He might be the only option that Tiffinogas has. One of these teams is coming out with a win for the season. Yeah, this is probably Mountain Ridge's best chance to get a win in their inaugural football season, coming yep. in winless on the year. And then they end the, end the season against Orem and Spanish Fork. Uh, prove me wrong wrong guys yeah. you know stun me on one of those last two games but be nice to see the sentinels get off the yeah, mat a it could bit be here. a really really long season for the sentinels if they drop this one to the Timberwolves. but also in that region we have one of the bigger games of the week tim view goes to orem these two teams have got some bad blood between them de facto region seven title game probably i would i would agree with that uh, lehigh at alta of course will have their say in things but tim view and orem you mentioned in the first segment there sean tim view were kind of really grown up here orem a team that's a two-time state two-time defending state champion really looking to flex some muscle i'm actually gonna give the edge to tim view in this game yeah these are two teams that that went and tried to find themselves and establish their identities and they took some lumps because of it early in non-region play but if everything only matters once you once the ball is 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 kicked off um in region i think these two teams are proving it right there so um i really like orem i really like tim but i think that the thunderbirds are finding themselves a little bit more offensively they're establishing themselves a bit more and they've got that x factor which noah sewell is a great player arguably the best player in the state um, and by the rankings, I guess he probably is. If you Alex Harrison will have his have his, yeah. Alex Harrison up there at Viewmont would have his say in that, but yeah, probably according to the recruiting rankings. But the best X factor in the state right now mm-hmm. might be uh, Raider De Mooney out at Timview High School, and if he can what take, a player. yeah, if he can take over this game, then watch out, Tigers. Yeah, absolutely, he can do it in all three facets of the game too: offensively, defensively, and in special teams. He is a mm-hmm. special prospect there. That's all my right. nephew. 
against your nephew. All right, Sean, in Region 8, I've actually got a game I'm interested in watching is Provo at Salem Hills. Provo has got some good players. The Havea brothers are very, very good. We'll see what they can do on the road at Salem, see if Salem just continues to roll on and really show, hey, we are the class of Region 8. Yeah, Provo and Springville. Uh, Provo thought it was... uh Got just kind of going to coast to the Region 8 title after it uh, held off Springville a couple weeks ago. And Not then so Salem much. comes in and moves to 7-0 and on the season by spanking the Red Devils on their home turf last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the closest thing about that game was the score, and it wasn't that close. So this, this is a game... Um, we talk about de facto region championships. Obviously, nobody's going to win a region title officially mm-hmm. tomorrow, but I think this game comes as close to a region championship as you will see on the Wasatch front. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, one final game for me in 4A, Sean. This is probably the game that's going to determine who is the second best team in Region 10. Mountain View makes the trip out to the Tooele Valley to face off against the Stansbury Stallions. Should be interesting. Two teams that are now running spread offenses. Stansbury moved away from their triple option this year under a new head coach. Should be an interesting game here out there at Stansbury Park. Yeah, your your Bruins, your beloved Mountain View Bruins. Can you sing me the alma mater? Uh, no. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, <laughs> but opening up the season six and oh, but this this two week stretch of the season, it's what really is going to define what Mountain View does, what they're remembered as. Were they just a flash in the pan, um, a shot in the dark, or can they make some waves? How do they bounce back from that loss to Park City? Can they keep up as keep up their contender status in class 4a i think going out to the tuila valley and beating stansbury will will go a long way towards determining that absolutely all right sean any other games you want to mention before we wrap things up on today's edition of the podcast you mentioned the big one down there in uh region two in class 2a which i think is uh the 2a what the 2a south 2a south miller yeah miller miller to milford um yeah, so uh, that's one of my favorite ones. Uh, hashtag pray for Westlake once again against <laughs> Corner Canyon. Hopefully that game doesn't get too out of hand. I'm sorry, Westlake. We make a lot of jokes at your guys' expense, but it's not all their fault. It's really not. That Cedar Valley opening was really, really hurtful to them. So we try to be nice. Yeah, but... we're we're gonna we're we're gonna try to dial it back and try to be a little bit nice. But uh, game of the week right here is on a Thursday. I think in in. Uh, Lone Peak at Skyridge, which is good because it gives all of you more, I mean, MOTC, OJC, OLDS, an extra day to prepare for a really big event this Saturday and Sunday, or as I like to call it, nine-hour church. Nine-hour church. Well done. All right, that'll wrap it up for us on that note. For Sean, I'm Jake. We, of course, the Utah Prep Zone brought to you by our good friends at John Watson Chevrolet. Check them out up there in Ogden. Can't thank them enough for their continued patronage and sponsorship of this podcast. We'll be back next week talking about recapping week eight, looking ahead to week nine, and who knows we'll have for an interview. So tune in next time. This has been the Utah Prep Zone Podcast. 